0: This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast.
1: Brandon Wirth here from the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into our live show series covering the Last Dance documentary, both our Twitch live show viewers and the podcast peeps like you. During this episode, we did realize we had some technical difficulties during the download with a few of our microphones and even the broadcast network malfunctioning. So we have decided to adjust this episode to help you guys understand the show until everything is restored later on in the show. We do apologize for this situation. We hope this does not happen again, but we hope that this at least helps you guys understand this podcast. Thank you guys for understanding and enjoy the show. We open with the guys talking about their
0: Memorial Day weekend. It's been good, man. Just hanging with family, dad barbecued. Over here, it's pretty nice. I Can't complain. It's about 80 degrees. It's been 80 to 85 all day. It's been great and a happy Memorial Day to all
1: pretty chill over here the way you ate outside for the first time this year so that was that was pretty nice um it's been it's been all right a pretty good memorial day weekend the weather right now I, it, it's like sunny and 73 out right now it's like beautiful so i, I feel bad for you barrett being up in the storm right
0: now <laughs> yeah.
1: with our first last dance related topic the guys talk about Kobe and mj their comparison and even how they played each other in the 98 all-star game
0: it was great. Just um, seeing, it was obviously emotional seeing Kobe back. As you know, he's my all-time favorite player. So sucks, you know, what happened with him. But um, honestly, it was just great just uh, watching the All-Star game. And Jordan, this is, like, honestly kind of like the perfect, like, fairy tale for a last dance, winning the All-Star MVP. And I love just, like, the competitiveness at the beginning of the locker room when he's talking to Reggie Miller and Tim Hart about, like, the little Laker boy they were calling uh, Kobe. I thought that was kind of funny. He, he, and he was talking about he's going to make it a one-on-one game, and Kobe was going at him. And Kobe, uh, the thing I really loved about it, he really got a lot of his, you know, game from Michael Jordan, just, like, learning how to, you know, go about things, you know, a way to push people. And it was, a, it was a back-and-forth game, and Jordan was able to get the um, MVP, which was very cool. And Kobe could have won the MVP. A lot of people don't know. George Carl kept him out the fourth quarter, which to me was kind of BS. But, you know, they were trying to give it to Jordan. But it was cool.
2: I thought it was really cool to kind of see that part was kind of the passing of the crown between Michael Jordan and Kobe to see who's going to be the new the face of the NBA, and I just thought that was really cool to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing, like Kobe said in the interview when he was interviewed, that really stuck out to me is like without M- without MJ, without looking up to him, the five rings you can pretty much just they're they're gone. I that's he was the main guy that really took Kobe under his wing and really taught him how to play the game of basketball, not just like in a, a setting where they're physically both together, but Kobe just watching him throughout the league in his younger career, watching MJ do all of his great things, winning championships. It was just a really cool thing that these two are brought together because in my mind, and I think a lot of other people in the sports world agree with this, is that those two are some of the most di- or similar players that was, as far as gameplay, playmaking. Those guys are really, really similar And that's why it's really hard to compare them sometimes because they were just so similar to each other. There really wasn't that many advantages that either could have on each other besides accolades, which I mean, it's also different eras as well. But definitely a great piece adding Kobe in there. And obviously it's been it's been a rough time since he's now passed, but it's still great to remember those two that actually got a chance to play each other, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, definitely, and Barrett, I agree with that because I think one of the main reasons Jordan was willing to help Kobe, he felt Kobe was cut from the same cloth as him, just like competitiveness. Not like they know how to intimidate people. So when he saw that, and using some of his moves against him, and just being able like to see the flashes of him being the face of the league, and Jordan knew it. Even when they played each other on um, earlier in December before the um, All Star game, he told him like he was the future of the league, and he. This is coming at a time when guys weren't coming straight out of high school. Kobe did. And, um, you know, Jordan was trying to do the best he can, knowing, knowing he's on his way out and Kobe was the future. So that was very cool of Jordan. That brotherhood lasted throughout Kobe's entire career. And one thing I want to add, because I know I'll bear, I'm about to get back to you. you guys, and most people would agree, Kobe was kind of our Michael Jordan of our generation growing up. From anyone 18 to 25, Kobe was kind of like, and obviously LeBron too, he was like that guy we looked up to because these guys are 6'6", 205. They're so identical, and it's the same pattern that, shots and i don't know if you guys see it on youtube the identical plays it's literally the same guy the only difference is kobe's like a shade lighter that's it both two bald heads You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> next the guys talk about the influence of the jordan brand and how jordan could have definitely signed with a different sneaker brand
0: definitely and th- that's a good point and when they play um the game at the Garden, he had a great game, obviously another MJ-type game, 42 points, going crazy on John Starks. He was telling Spike Lee to come out on the court of Garden because they couldn't stop him about those shoes, you know, shoes that people still wear nowadays. He said they were very uncomfortable. He said his feet were bleeding. At the end of the game, he, he just said he couldn't uh, – the only reason why he didn't take them off at halftime, he said, um, you know, he was having a great game. But by the end of the game, it was soaked in blood. So – but to go back to 84 – yeah, it's crazy that he considered Converse and Adidas. Like, Converse, you know, is a shoe, like, like we were talking about Bear, like, you just walk around, not basketball, like, you're trying to hurt your ankle. You know, so I'm happy his parents talked some sense into him and in getting Nike, which turned out to be the better deal anyway, getting more money. And uh, it's really crazy to me, excuse me, that he was really thinking about just only doing either Nike or Adidas. But I think the reason why he was leaning in that direction was because Magic and Bird at the time, who were the faces of the NBA, were wearing those shoes. And Jordan was trying to fill their shoes. But he realized, maybe I need to go in a different direction to separate myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I noticed that they actually didn't put in the last dance, and there was a lot of people that were talking about it. And um, they left out Sonny Vaccaro, which I think a lot of people will overlook or they don't really know who he is. And if you guys have ever seen, I believe it's um, the soul guy. He was a 30, it was a 30 for 30 about Sonny Vaccaro. And Sonny Vaccaro was at the time, he was a the basketball like marketing representative at Nike. And he was one that was brought on by Phil Knight. And he ended up signing MJ to that contract for and then an, an, just an absolutely huge amount of money. I believe it was like 250,000 at the time, which stars were getting 100,000. They were giving him all this money as a rookie who hadn't even stepped on the floor yet, he's just a number three pick from North Carolina. But, like, Sonny was, like, the guy that was getting – that got Michael his shot. He got him all of, like, his photo shoots. He was a big part of Michael's life, and I can't believe they left him out of this. But at the same time, it's, like, like all these opportunities and that Michael said, I wanted to actually go to Adidas. And it's, like, crazy to think, like, you wanted to go to Adidas at that time, now seeing – 30 years down the road, and you have one of the greatest basketball brands that we've ever seen, like, pretty much by yourself through Nike. And it's just absolutely crazy to see that. And it's, it's like, crazy. And there's, a, like, the LeBron rumor back when he was in the league that he was going to be signing with Adidas, and that contract almost was signed until the day of, and there was, a co- yeah. there was a complete fallout. And it's crazy, like, Michael and LeBron James going to Adidas compared to Nike, that would have changed oh, the God. whole – whole game but it's just crazy that i feel like they left that out but it's still it's still a great situation for michael am going to nike instead of adidas
0: definitely yeah it's just honestly a testament to his greatness And honestly you make a great point because in the 90s especially even in the 80s he was like this american hero and like I'm happy you brought up the spike lee point because his main commercial with spike lee that started getting really famous was i want to be like my you know with the gatorade and that you know blew up, and obviously his shoe deals. And his parents saw some; they had you know smack some sense into him. You know, you know, not literally, but you know, what I'm saying like, like you know, hey, you can make more money because, like you said, they sold 120 uh, pair a million. They weren't even expecting to, I believe, to get even like 75. And you know, the fact that they just went over what they wanted, you know, it was just really, really uh, great. And Jordan, that's honestly a testament to the GOAT conversation that his shoes are still high sellers even today, 22 years after the last dance. So it's just, I mean, the stuff he's been able to do off and on the court, you know, I mean, billionaire, genius.
2: He changed the game. I mean, you look at the sneaker, like sneaker heads now. I mean, they buy and sell sneakers. They, there's guys who make millions of dollars off of that. And they, they make lifestyles living off kind of the way that the Jordan brand has changed the sneaker. And, like
1: and I know, my personally myself i am fortunate enough to have a pair of ones i know travis has a sick pair of fours that yeah, i've always seen with the studio those are sick and like just the thank fact you. that 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 we might not be wearing these shoes if he would have went and stuck with his heart and went to adidas if his mom didn't put him on that plane and it's just crazy to see that and how he changed everything in advertising and sports is absolutely incredible the fact like he's getting photo shoots as a rookie Like it's this, that was something that was not even heard of. It was only all these guys like Magic and Larry, all these big name guys. Those are the only guys that even were thinking about these things. Not even some of them got to do it. And Nike goes out there and they give a guy and not even have played his first basketball game at a professional level. They're putting him in a photo shoot. They're putting him on billboards everywhere. They're selling his shoes. And the fact that it got so successful just opened the door for Nike that no other brand can now compete with. Like they're giving the young guy all that they could want. And now, all these guys behind him going into the league, now they have an opportunity that they can now have their face on a shoe as a rookie. And that just is just crazy to think about. And it's kind of even led us to where now, like, signature shoes were really like a true thing because Jordan pretty much started it. And then LeBron got his, and also Kobe. Those are pretty much some three of the most popular right now. That have their own lines you could throw KD in there too maybe even steph curry a little bit but those guys never got they're not to the level that uh, michael jordan was at that time obviously lebron is still he has um an incredible like sneaker lineup as far as earnings and stuff but jordan at the time was just so far ahead in the game and just the fact he also brought out the ones in that game was a pretty sweet game in 98 at the garden but oh, yeah. that, that would be super hard, though, because, I mean, he said he hadn't wore those shoes in how long, and then he put yes. them on his feet for a game. Oh, my gosh, that had to have hurt so bad. Next, we move into the 91-92 Bulls season and how MJ took over the playoffs and really took it personal to the Clyde Drexler comparison.
0: Definitely, <clears throat> definitely and this was a great overall team. They went 67-15 in the 91-92 season, and they were hungry to repeat because a lot of people said, you know, Jordan, like, is this a fluke? You know, just a one-time champion. Can you continue to do it? And he won his third MVP that year, another scoring title. And he dominated Drexler just in the finals, plain and simple, because he, he took it on – he made that a personal challenge because a lot of people were comparing him. And he had nothing against Drexler. He just felt like it was, like, pretty idiotic to compare a guy like, you know, Drexler to himself. So Jordan took over. You know, they won in six, and it was just – that was a great one, I and mean, that's honestly one of the most underrated teams out of this entire Bulls era, out of the six titles, because they went 67-15. That was amazing, and they were, you know, were, you know, very good.
2: And you got to think all, the, all that doubt and that questioning whether Jordan was going to be able to go to that back-to-back and be able to produce um, like he did, kind of <clears> added <throat> fuel to the fire and his ability to be a competitor. And, I mean, we've seen that already by so many times where when he was faced with doubt, he would just overperform and he would be a killer all the time and just uh, I think those comments and stuff really just added fuel to his uh, competitive nature.
1: We have learned one thing for sure from this documentary is if you give MJ a little bit of fire that you're gonna pretty much be done you're gonna have to try anything to extinguish it as possible which we learned is pretty much not possible. MJ was just on a whole nother level just even in the mental game and even going back a little bit to Kobe, that's kind of where those guys really had that mentality, like Koba had the mama mentality that he was going to – he could do anything that he could believe he would take it by you know, himself to win games. And it's just Michael just had that – he had that mental game. And when they gave him the Clyde Drexler comparison like you were just talking about, Travis, like he was like, no, me, Clyde, no. That, we're, we're not on the same level. And he really just put that on himself, and he just dominated that series that ends up leading to his second championship. And it's just one of those moments where you just kind of got to sit back and realize, yeah, we probably shouldn't trash talk this guy anymore or put anybody above him because he's just going to crush anybody in his way. Oh,
0: yeah. And this is a time where he was really at the top of the world because after winning the back-to-back championship, everyone knew it was Jordan's league. Like, they're, he's, you know, by far the best player. And the thing is, he's just such like a psycho competitor. He's just going to find any little thing like – Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. If you just look at him the wrong way, like give him like a weird eye, he's just going to just score 45 just because. Or like even they've talked about in the documentary, he would make up stories in his head to motivate himself just to um, just have a mental edge. And it's just, it just speaks to his competitive nature. And that team was just so great. Scotty, Horace, Grant, you know, obviously Phil Jackson, B.J. Armstrong, John Paxson. I mean, that was one of the uh, most underrated teams definitely of that um, era.
1: Now the fun begins. The boys talk about the Olympic dream team of 92, why Isaiah was left off of it, and who would have been the person he could have replaced.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you, Barrett. Like, it's just, obviously, we're a little biased because we're Detroiters, but it just irritates me because there's no way in hell, excuse my language, that John Stockton is better than Isaiah Thomas. There's just no, like, this is such a point. Like, the fact, Jordan, obviously, I love Michael Jordan, he's one of my favorites, but He was acting like kind of like a stuck-up, jealous girlfriend because you knew how great Isaiah Thomas was. You know how he beat him three straight years in the playoffs. This is a guy who's 36-29 and versus Jordan, the only Hall of Famer to have a winning record against Jordan while knocking him out three straight years in the playoffs. Isaiah had the criteria what was needed to, you know, be on that team. He was kind of like – the student who had, like, a 3.7 to a 4.0 with great ACT scores but didn't get a new university for some reason. Like, he should have been on that team. Like, Stockton, not taking nothing away from Stockton because he's an all-time leader in assists and steals. Great Hall of Famer. But there's no way. Like, it's just no comparison. Isaiah should have been on that team. And Magic, all of them know it. But Isaiah, you're right, Barrett, did have beef with other guys because Magic, they were best friends, but they fell because Isaiah made a comment kind of insinuating he was gay. And Magic kind of, you know, took that. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. And literally, literally an interview later in the episode, he goes, no Isaiah Thomas question. So like, we know what it's about. You you literally told Rod, Rod Thorne who's all playing. He asked you, do you want to play? And you didn't answer, you just went around the question and said, who's all playing? Like, so, we, and I'm not, I understand Jordan at the time is the face of the NBA, the best player. He's only 29, he's just in his prime. So obviously whoever Jordan wants, they're going to go with that. But we all know Isaiah Thomas won the top three point guards in uh, league history. There's no way he – obviously he should have been on that team. Come on. You guys can uh... – Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, you guys knocked it on the
2: head. I'm <laughs> just saying, I'm sorry. you guys knocked it on the head. Like, I was, all – oh, I'm, I'm I, was sorry. I, was my, I was looking through my notes and I was just like, well, they hit that, they hit that. They hit that. Right, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no, no, no I was... nothing to you guys. It's just like, well, I mean, these guys know what they're talking about. I was just leaving them, yeah, it was. You guys nailed it. Like exactly what it was going down. It was always like there's always the rumors that MJ told him, yeah, don't put Isaiah on the team and I'll come play or whatever. There's always gonna be those rumors, but you're absolutely right, Travis. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, who I do have on the wall. By my oh, way, yeah, by the way, he is. He was a fantastic player, and obviously, we get it. The chemistry was probably a little bit of an issue, and Chuck Daly being the coach, obviously, that can that would have. I felt like it definitely would have helped a little bit. He would have been able to control Isaiah a little bit more. But, I mean, the fact is, is, like, you look at the roster, it was just such an amazing roster that you knew that somebody had to be left off. There's always the snubs in the All-Star League nowadays and the Dream Team. There's always somebody that's going to be left off where you're just like, man, should he have made the team instead of this dude? And just going off the fact that, like, I believe in college at the time, Christian Leitner was actually on this roster, and his Uh NBA –
0: his NBA career
1: didn't
0: turn out too well. Yes, it's just that's the yeah. thing that irritates you. You have a Christian Leighton, I understand they have to have a college guy. They could have went with Shaq, too, because he was just coming into the NBA. That is, and true. Just that is stuff, true. like I, I just don't see, because at the time, literally, Isaiah Thomas was the best point guard in the league. Magic, that ninety one ninety two season, had only played the All-Star game because, obviously, we know about his HIV. So he wasn't able like to play a full season. And Stockton wasn't better than Isaiah. Like, he was still one of the – even though Jordan had finally passed him and beat him in the postseason, Isaiah was still the best point guard. It's just – it's just really blasphemy. Like, I really don't understand. But, I mean, you know, Jordan wanted the way how he wanted, so they can't, you know, really go against his word since he was the face of the league at the time.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of – oh, sorry. No go, no, go ahead. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy that, like, I mean, John Stockton was, obviously, he has the assist record. He was that classic point guard that was kind of the role player on offense. He made stuff happen. He would score now and then. He'd get the ball where it needed to be. But it just seemed like Isaiah had that, that playmaking ability. He had that defensive uh, caliber play that we saw from a lot of other guys on the team, obviously, like MJ. I mean, Magic brought some flair on offense. There's a lot of other great defenders on here. You bring in... Patrick Ewing as well. Looking at some of the other ones, Charles Barkley was playing at a really high level. He's the MVP of the '92 season. Don't like, don't sleep on him at all. Mm-hmm. You have Carl Malone and obviously Clyde Drexler as well. But I mean, just the, the the look of these guys, and you have all of these guys in there. It almost just seemed like you had that one final piece and that would have been Isaiah Thomas as far as similar gameplay. But then it, it must have just been the chemistry in the end that kept them off. Because I mean, it like like Isaiah said in the documentary, he said, I mean, I fit everything that I should have been to make this team, and I didn't. And the the matter of the fact is, is we probably will never know what kept him off that team, but we'll, we'll be speculating for years to come. Finally, Barrett is back, so you guys can enjoy the rest of the show just like normal.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just probably an immaturity, not an immaturity thing, but obviously super petty, um, which yeah, is... It is what it is. I I get the grudge. I feel like Jordan's the type of guy who will never let go of a grudge. Um, what's for whatever reason. Uh, that you know. That being said, you mentioned all those guys playing, uh, Brandon. But you know, they talked about that practice game, and I. That's got to be. I wish there was people who could. You know, they obviously filmed it, which was great. But I mean, to be there witnessing like the greats. You know they called it the dream team for a reason, um, to just play in a pickup game where they probably were like beating the crap out of each other in fouls, um, because no one like they didn't care like at all back then. Yeah, I do. I would just kill to just be there, just because that that would be just something to witness for sure.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And that practice game was the most intense game. They even said Jordan and the Magic said. That was the best game they've ever been a part of. So Magic got his five. Jordan got his five. Magic, I think he said they were up by, like, eight or something. He just started talking junk to Jordan. He mm-hmm. even said, all right, that was a mistake. Then Jordan, he said Scott even said he got a look in his eye. It was basically like, all right, just give him the ball, and everybody just yep. get the hell out of the way. Like we know, And Jordan, like, took over the game, and it was very good back and forth. And at the end of the um, game, Jordan's team won, and, you know, he started, like, letting them know in Jordan fashion on yeah, I wish, like, there was, like, more technology back then just to watch and just to hear more of what they were saying. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. to
2: it's it's jump up a few episodes, but it's like when Jordan had that uh, those pickup games with all those young guys when he was filming Space Jam and stuff like that. I mean, just these high caliber players that just only see them on TV, but to see them behind the scenes playing those pickup games with rules and stuff like that is just really cool. how just kind of see – basketball in a sense mm-hmm.
1: yeah this is like this is like the dream that you have on 2k is where you're playing is all you're just like yeah i'm gonna make my own ultimate team you're probably gonna put mm-hmm. and maybe half of these guys will probably make your dream roster this is just an absolutely loaded team and then you end up getting guys later down the road you add kobe and Shaq to the mix a couple years later some of these guys obviously were retired before that point but mm-hmm. just the fact we got to see all these guys in one era is just just mind blowing. These guys were such amazing basketball players, and just the fact that they got all these guys to play in the Olympics, which is one reason why they dominated, is just a a big reason why the like the United States as a whole has just had an amazing basketball career when it's come to the Olympics, and they've just been it's just been a proud moment to be an American when you're watching the Olympics for basketball. Mm-hmm. And this is
3: yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, you know, nationalism is huge, especially during. Time of the Olympics. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that happen this year due to COVID-19, with a lot of things being canceled. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The you know the Dream Team faces off with Croatia at the time, who I didn't really know was a basketball powerhouse. They dubbed them like a powerhouse, Um, but I think it was really only because of you know two really good players and then Tony Kukoch who at the time you know this is our first introduction to him uh, where he was like where he was from you know kind of a, I just a young kid who you know they call them what the the lefty magic or something like that something along yeah. the line something along the lines of that and you know Scotty and Mike go at it go at him in a like a not even a, it's not even the finals but it's like a just group play and they have basically have just belittle him he has like four points and he like in like eight shots. And so I thought it was pretty, uh, I thought it was pretty, I don't know, demoralizing to see like a kid like that, but he does bounce back in the, uh, in the final game.
0: Yeah. And it was, I just felt bad for Tony Kukoc watching that because it really Mm -hmm. wasn't even about him. It was more so their hate towards Jerry Krause and the fact that he liked them. They were like, all right, I'm just going to destroy this guy. Like, you know, you know, just go completely at him. And, that's just another testament of how competitive these guys are. They held him to four points in Scotty after the game saying, Yeah, he's not ready for the NBA. This was like playing like at the YMCA or something. It, like they just oh. really started like going, going yeah. No, he, he, Scotty. He did, Scotty yeah, he did. yeah, he did. And Jordan was like, you know, Scotty, it's a layoff. You know, you don't need to go that. He was like, no. Then, you know, Tony came back and had a better game. And obviously they ended up winning three championships together. But I just think, you know, I, I felt bad for him because they were just taking turns and they were like, No, I got him. They were like, you know Fighting to guard him, and I mean, they were obviously dominating. They won the game by over thirty points or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's kind of like how
2: we saw with our, our generation of dream team in the twenty twelve Olympics in London. Like we beat Nigeria like hundred and twenty eight to like forty or like fifty mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, and it's crazy to see how we're seeing that this, the modern day dream team was nowhere near the caliber of the old or the nineteen ninety two dream team, and just to see. How, how downed they they would have been in this today's game and uh, back then, too. It's just crazy because, I mean, we, we think we know what, what it would have been like with the kind of comparisons that we bring in today, but, I mean, they're just on a whole different level.
1: Yeah, and when we think really about recently as far as, like, Olympic basketball, there's always been, like, a couple of teams we can talk about, like Argentina has produced some talent in the past. France had Tony Parker at one point who was one of the best players in the NBA. And there's been some other teams that have squeaked in there. China's always pretty decent. But it's like when it came to finding U.S. basketball to fill these rosters in the Olympics, it was just just absolutely incredible. And going back to that dream team, I mean, just the fact that it was like Tony Kukoc versus the whole NBA. It was like impossible mm-hmm. for him to really, really play well. And just how much he stepped up because, I mean, you guys are right, like, Jordan and Pippen, they let loose on Tony Kukoc, and they locked him down because of the hatred for Jerry Krause at the time, that Jerry Krause was saying, yeah, this guy's going to be really good. Just wait till I bring him in. They're like, <laughs> really, dude? Like, we just won you two championships, and you're talking to him about that? Right. And they took it personally, and we know what happens when you take it personally. And just the fact that he bounced back, especially against a team like that in the finals, he ends up scoring. He has a pretty good box score. I can't remember off the top of my head. But just the fact, like, he really kind of earned MJ and Pippen's respect when he bounced back like that. Cause after that pummeling, you could have easily just laid your head down and just played a a regular game. Cause I like Croatia knew probably going into the game, they really had a slim to none chance that they're going to win this game against all this high talent across the board. Mm -hmm. It's just, it was a testament to him that he really bounced back despite all the elements with Jordan and Pippen and all the news about him getting locked down in that game. And he ended up having a really good game and, Truly, that's a testament to how he got Jordan and Pippen's respect and end up leading to a great teammateship down the road.
3: Yeah, and Jordan even said, you know, at the time, you know, he didn't know Tony, and he said once he learned him, you know, of him being a teammate, they finally bonded to being, you know, good teammates later down, you know, later down mm-hmm. the road. But um, you know, with that being said, you know, they win the gold medal, Michael, who. You know, as we mentioned earlier, signed with Nike, doesn't want to show Reebok on a global stage, covers up with the American flag, and, you know, that's basically the end of the. Actually, I'm sorry, there's two more things we can talk about in this episode, but basically he wraps wraps himself up in the flag, and, you know, a baller move, I guess you could say. You know, wrapping because you can't – I mean, what are you going to say? Oh, you shouldn't have wrapped your head in uh, – or you shouldn't have wrapped your uh, the flag around you. Like, oh, that's terrible. Uh, I mean, that's just, I don't know, anti-American, I guess, if you're doing that. So, really put Reebok in a tough spot. Um, you know, and people took note – I think people were talking about that beforehand. Uh, you know, they show the scene where he's driving to the arena for the gold medal game. And he said, you know, they don't know what's coming. Um, like – because the media was already talking about it, of him not wanting to show Reebok because he was so loyal to Nike.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. He And Jordan, you know, kept his loyalty. And that, obviously, not to jump ahead documentary, it shows, like, the, if you're in a circle, he's going to show his loyalty. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he was about what he was saying. When he said he was going to do that, some people didn't take him serious. And, I mean, he had a surprise for the media. And they, you know, w- didn't really know how to really respond to it, but... I mean, he wasn't playing. You know, he was about what he was saying. So I appreciate that about him. You know, keeping us, uh, staying true to his word. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a love
2: we've seen him uh, just kind of be loyal to his teammates and just try to try to do as best as he can. I mean, with that loyalty to Nike, I mean, we've seen what it's done for him and what a success that he's had with him.
1: Yeah, and like when we watched the Olympics, the, like I as mean, recently, I mean, I've watched him a lot. For track and field being a track and field athlete once you win the race you grab the flag that's what you do that's mm-hmm. that's how you show your nationality like yeah we've did it we've won together but it's just one of those times where you see a lot of like that personal branding now like especially in the nba where now NBA's globally went towards nike and uniforms are nike and you're, you're supposed to wear nike gear and you see a lot of other guys like james harden signed for adidas and steph curry signed for under armor these guys they're folding the logo on their socks and they're, they're covering up the emblem on their jerseys. It's just one of those moves where it's kind of a, like some people will perceive as selfish because it's like, really, you're going to be personally branding yourself right now in this game. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's you're exactly right, Travis. He was showing loyalty to his brand. He was keeping his word and he was doing what he wanted to do. Now, obviously, it looked a lot worse because he's really covering it up with the American flag now that we've right. analyzed it and everything. And it's been how long now? It's like almost 30 years since that happened. But in the time it was just like, yeah, he won the championship. And if he wants to do that, cover it with a flag, why, why are we going to stop him? So like the meaning back then really hasn't like exploded as much as now that we've looked back on it, especially now that the documentary brought this side of him with the car ride and that sort of thing. Wow. I think it was totally. I think it was
3: totally fine what he did. I understand why he did it. I understand why people are upset. But I guess if you know Reebok's getting, you know, he wasn't the like. If all the athletes covered up their uh, their Reebok emblem, yeah, I'd be kind of upset. But if it was just Michael Jordan, I mean, yeah, Michael Jordan was like the big shot at the time. But I, I think you know, I guess he likes to stir the pot. I mean, that's definitely his thing. I guess the last thing we can talk about. In episode five is the like failed endorsement of Harvey Dent or Dant Dant Dent. Someone check. Yeah, I think Harvey Harvey Gant Gant. I think it's Gant. Anyways, Harvey Gant. uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Harvey Gant. Harvey Gant. And he, you you know, he he didn't want to give a. You know, at the time, he was like the first African American like senator and like who was going to run in North Carolina. And people are expecting him to endorse him, um, just through culture and stuff. And he didn't. And he, you know, the quote goes, uh, "Well, Republicans buy sneakers too." And I think the one of the writers on the the show basically explained, you know, this is probably one of his most controversial things. You know, that being said, I, I don't know if like how the order of events, if he was interviewed during the gambling thing, but this thing here was, you know, he didn't want to become like a a figure that sided with one aligned with one side uh, of political parties and he even said that he didn't want to be an activist himself he didn't see himself as a Muhammad Ali and you know that was big during the time so he didn't want he didn't want to be that and I I think that's totally fine for Michael he just wanted to play basketball
0: honestly Barrett you make a great point and I actually agree I think Even Jordan even said he's not an activist. He's just a basketball player. He wasn't really into politics. And he even made a statement saying, I'm not going to talk about something I don't know nothing about because I'm going to look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. You know, if if MJ would have endorsed him, probably the guy would have won how big MJ was. But at the same time, Jordan's just a definition of someone, regardless of what profession you are, a doctor, teacher, or dentist, he's just focusing on just that craft and becoming the best he could possibly be at that and nothing else. He wasn't worried about you know, outside fame. And, you know, he appreciates guys like Muhammad Ali and even LeBron James doing different stuff outside. Jordan's main focus was just in basketball, and there's nothing wrong with that because he didn't do nothing wrong. He People would have liked to see him do more since how big he was because, you know, it would have made a lot more difference, especially in the black community if Jordan would have that. But you can't get mad at him for just wanting to focus on basketball. Could he have done more? Yes, he could have done more. You get a little bit of murky waters sometimes when you mix politics and sports and stuff and sometimes it it
2: works out really well for some athletes. They I mean it's not all about gaining a following, but I mean it works out really well. You bring a lot of knowledge and, and awareness about some things. But, you know, I think in Burns' case, I think he did the best thing because I mean he had a lot of fans on both sides and just kind of taking that route to be kind of in the middle and not uh putting himself out there to be based on one side to the other, and it's really good because he didn't really stir the pot, or stir the pot, but in this case, he didn't really stir the pot too much, and he just kind of uh, laid low for this one.
1: You guys made absolutely, like, great points. It's like, I mean, you got to feel for MJ a little bit because one thing that was really highlighted in throughout almost a lot of these episodes is you got to realize, like, Michael Jordan was a, a popular guy, Throughout like his whole time in the NBA and it was almost times where it just seemed like he was too popular. I mean, the guy, I mean, not jumping forward a little bit, but him in his hotel room, he liked to be by himself. I mean, he didn't like being in the spotlight 24 hours a day. It seemed like on game day, it's gotta be one of the hardest experiences ever. And the fact that he just wanted to play basketball just shows like he's had all these outside things. I mean, obviously getting into the gambling incident in a little bit, but it's like these things where It's like I just wanted to play basketball. And, yeah, doing politics with sports, supporting people, that's great. Like being a good character in front of the camera, all that, that's great. But it's just like you, a guy can only handle so much being in your profession. And it just kind of showed, like, Michael had an understanding that, yeah, I'm a great basketball player and everything. And that's just what I want to be. And I'm okay with that. And, I mean, obviously, the guy wasn't – he wasn't a terrible influence. I mean, he wasn't doing things that were going to get him in trouble. He wasn't, like, being – like, getting arrested or anything like that. I mean, he had a pretty good, like, reputation. And he just didn't want to get himself in a bad situation to where he might be supporting a wrong thing and, like, ruining his image, which, I mean, some people wish he would have did more. And, obviously, like we heard a lot about Barack Obama in that as well, like, his piece on it. But, I mean – you just got to feel a little bit for NJ. Like the dude was already carrying enough weight on his shoulders. Now you're going to represent something in the political or the social issues in that whole realm. I mean, that could have been too much on his plate and, and like pretty much he had enough on his plate already. That might've just tipped the plate over.
3: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, he doesn't really tarnish his reputation and like, I guess the public's eye until like this gambling thing, Happens, so I think we can transition to episode six. Like you said, he didn't like being in the spotlight. Uh, you know, the hotel scene is significant where he is. Uh, they have a, a beat writer explaining his daily, where he, you know, he has 10 minutes to do this. You know, and then he's got to talk to the media. You know, he comes home, he's got to do this. Uh, he has to talk to these fans after practice, before practice. You know, doing all these things to engage with people. And I have to imagine it gets tiring. And he said even himself, "I don't want to be like Mike because of all the media pressure you have, all the questions you have to answer, all this stuff." Um, You know, especially when you know, just the the gambling thing comes out. I'm I'm cutting ahead here. I think I'll I'll save that. Um, You know, they talk about they talk about his um, you know the pressure in the media, but then it the the documentary switches over to the quarter scene where they're in the locker room and they're playing quarters. And I think this was our first glimpse of, you know, his inability to stop gambling, not stop gambling, but stop competing. That's how he put it. Um, Obviously in every golf scene, it seems like he is, I made $40 in that hole. I made $20 in the hole. Like I'm doing, like he was already trying to, he was already trying to scrape money from people left and right. Uh, quarters is a prime example of that, where he's playing his uh, uh, the Sniff Brothers, uh, you know, his bodyguards, his crew, and um, you know he's just yeah. got people left and right. You know he's trying to take money from, which is cool and all, but he ends up losing all. The, he lo- he ends up losing two rounds of uh, quarters. I don't know how much money he was throwing on the table, but he ended up losing uh, two rounds, and he wanted to go again, and the guy was like, no, 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 no. I gotta get out of here, and he's like, "No, no, no! One more time, one more time." So, you know, that being said, I, I think that was that was really the one uh, that was the one scene I think where we first saw him really lack restraint when it comes to gambling uh, and competing.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, because he he was tired. He even said he told um people in his camp in '92 he was going to retire after they beat the trailblazers, but he told somebody the only reason why I'm not, because he said he, he really wanted to go play baseball for his father. But the, excuse me, the only reason why he didn't retire, he said, magic never did a three P I I got to be the first to do this. And the fact he was looking ahead and just, I mean, he's just so competitive. Like you, you were saying there, he was kind of predicting a three peat already. He said, mm-hmm. yeah, basically he said in his own words. I would play baseball right now, but they never repeat. So I have to go do this first. And he was tired of being in the spotlight. He even made a comment saying, um, People say they want to be like Mike, but they couldn't be like Mike for a year and tell me you know they really love being in my shoes because every day it's like nonstop and he can't make a mistake. So when you look back at his career, he did I believe everything correctly. I mean, he never got in trouble off the court. He just I mean, he, he said he just had a c- competition problem, which goes with gambling. He just he just loved to compete. You know, I mean, there's no yeah. really no strike against that. He's just throwing lots of money. I mean, something that I wouldn't do because I don't have right. Yeah. It's tiring
2: to kind of be in the spotlight all the time. I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen athletes and stuff like, um, like when they're warming up for games and kids are asking for autographs and pictures and stuff like that, they're just like, oh, I got to do this first. You know, and, uh, you know I got to say, they're kind of walking out of the tunnels and stuff like that. They kind of turn it back. There's people who have of about that say that, um, wanting your autograph to just be around you is kind of part of the job i mean when you have that all the time especially for michael jordan being the high profile athlete that he was i mean to have that 24 7 for however many years he was in the league just to have that happen is it's it's obviously tiring because sometimes you just want to be by yourself but there's times where you think you're by yourself but there's still people that are right around the corner
1: absolutely that's a great point and like, us as sports fans, autographs are huge. Like, just getting your favorite player's autograph is one of the coolest feelings ever, getting it, just being able to see him in person. And it's really cool that like, Michael went out of his way after long games to do this stuff. But, I mean, like, we have to realize at some point, these guys are people, too. I mean, they're, they're doing their jobs, like, at the absolute hardest they can. And then after the game, when they have to stay an hour to, to sign autographs and they have to go to the interview room even even like after a tough loss, they have to go talk about it. And then Mm -hmm. they have to go do all these things for media and stuff. It gets tiring after a while. And it's like almost like an analogy, like if you imagine like working a nine to five in your office, and then you're walking down the stairs, and there's like 100,000 people waiting at the door just to get a picture with you, that'd be something that would be super tiring that you almost have to feel or sorry, have to fulfill with your image, which it just shows like, Mike had a really tough task going with Trying to be like this, absolutely huge phenom, both on and off the floor. But going to the, the gambling incident as well. I mean, obviously, um, they're his security guys having fun with that. That just showed how how competitive Michael is. Obviously, like we get introduced to his golfing just a little bit later in that in and that episode, and him just literally like flipping quarters for just for a couple dollars. Like that's just what he did. He always wanted to compete. He always wanted to beat people at something. He even mentioned the. The plane incident with some of his teammates that he was playing like high stakes uh, poker, I think it was, in the back of the yeah. plane. And he ends up winning a bunch of money. And then he ends up going to like the rookie table playing blackjack. And he's just like, I just want to take your guys' some money too, just to, just to show a uh, flex a little bit, yeah. like weird flex, but okay. But it's just like the <laughs> moment where you're like, this guy is an absolute competitor. And he's just that guy that he always wanted to win no matter what he did. And what I mean, regardless of how much it was, he just he just wanted to win. He wanted to prove that he was better than somebody else.
3: Yeah. And they go through that whole scene, those that whole little section of the documentary of him. Like you mentioned, the cards on the plane. And then they transition to, um, you know, they talk about the book Jordan Rules, which was written by, you know, Chicago's Tribune's beat writer at the time for the Bulls, uh, Sam Smith. And he, I think Sam Smith is heavily featured in this. Um, in he this, is. In this, yeah, he is. No, like he is for a reason. Um, I was going to say, like, he is featured because I think he was so close to the team behind the scenes. Um, I don't really think Horace Grant was the guy who really leaked it all. I know, uh, I think it was BJ Armstrong was like, no, there was other people for sure. And I don't even know if Horace is really the guy who did it because um, if you look at when the book came out Horace was on his way out like that year and so I don't know if it was because Jerry Krause was like I'm I, like my theory is I think Jerry Krause is the one who leaked it because you know Jerry Krause is has the ability to able to dish out Grant um, mm-hmm. Horace Grant to Orlando and like that's kind of your co- I think that's your cover there that he's able to you know then Jerry Krause is able to leak all this information. You know, he talks about him going to Phil Jackson, marking out the 20 things in the book, and then he's asking Phil, well, who could have said this? I, I, I got a feeling I think it was Jerry Krause who said it all along, just trying to play play coy um, during the whole controversy.
0: That's a good point, Barrett, but I sadly disagree. I, I think it was some players on the team. I do think – I know Horace said he didn't, but I do think there was a few things behind it because there was this whole story on Undisputed. They were talking about, um, basically Jordan wouldn't allow certain guys, I guess, to eat or Horace Grant if they like played bad after a game. It was I thought that was like ridiculous. You should never let tell. Yeah, him I've him seen.
3: Mad. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen that story. I yeah. I, uh,
0: I yeah. Weird. Yeah, I was. I was like, I don't believe that's true because Horace Grant denied it because he said he would have fought. My like most people would sense sensible because you can't tell me I can't eat just because you think. You're not giving me a check, but to get to the point, um. I do think there were some things his teammates didn't like. Cause they did say he was yelling, you know, trying to push them to be – to get. he always said to get to his level. But in reality, guys aren't as talented as you, Mike. Like Steve Kerr is not going to win me. You know what I'm saying? Jeff Buster is not going to, you know, hit, you know, all these guys. So Jordan, you know, had to realize that, like, maybe I can push them to a point where they can reach their potential, even though they're not, like, where I am at. Right. You know, and um, I mean – People are going to talk about his leadership tactics. You know, sometimes I do think he did go a little bit too far, like some of his teammates said. But at the end of the day, they do respect him because they won. And um, Sam Smith, I do believe Jordan was able to kind of, like, rekindle that, like, uh, they were able to fix it. But that definitely left, you know, something, you know, bad, like a bad taste in his mouth. Because honestly, at the time, it just seemed like they were just trying to find anything to break Jordan. Like, they had just won back-to-back championships you know, he never lost in the finals. He was winning MVP, scoring. So I was like, let's find something like to start controversy. That's what it felt. And you kind of hit on the tread or the head there, Travis, uh, with kind of Thank
2: you. trying to figure out stuff to kind of mess up Jordan and shake him up and stuff. And I mean, talk well, about again, like what you said, Travis. I mean, you, like I said, you hit on the head, but uh, just him like trying to figure out what was going to be best for him and try to be a leader on that team and him to realize that not everyone's going to be as good as him? That everyone has their own special skill sets that's going to let them be or reach their full potential and be able to get the ball to a championship caliber team. And I mean, when it comes to that, and you realize that you can't really person. Yeah, once to realize that. Oh, sorry, Brandon. So no, not you're to good. Realize, not to realize that, I mean, that's kind of when the team goes from good to great.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, Joe. I was just – I thought you were done there for a second. No, you're
2: good.
1: But, um, yeah, Barrett and Travis, you guys have, like, both of your opinions. I, I have parts that I agree with as well. I don't really have a full stance on who's really right in this situation because, I mean, Sam Smith, is a, he's paid to report. That's what he—that's what he's there for. Obviously, like, Horace Grant was quoted as the guy. He was kind of the – he was quoted as the snitch just to like Yeah, be, I, think, to phrase set, it yeah, I think he
3: was set up, dude. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's like you don't you don't know if he really was or if he's not because obviously these guys are trying to protect their reputations. This thing's on live TV, viewed by literally like the whole mm-hmm. United States during this time that like watches sports, and it's just one of those situations where like it like there's these things that come out all the time, and obviously like there's going to be these guys that are on the top of the fame and they're all they're they're on the top of the world it seems like, and there's always going to be that one guy that's just 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 absolutely is furious with them. They just hate how they're so popular and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be this digging going on. And there's always going to be something that might be found out about them. There might be an allegation that comes out. There's just all the, like, there's some. There's a lot of hateful people out there. But, I mean, just the fact is, is like, we have to respect that Sam Smith is doing his job. But at the same time, it's like, mm-hmm. we got to make sure everything's right while we're reporting as well.
3: I And I think he... I think he was in the right. I don't think there was anything wrong. He actually makes, like, the comment of him saying, uh, well, this is, you know, this is something that's going to bring the team together as opposed to division. And, you know, they get rid of Horace going after that season. You know, they obviously, they go down and they win that championship. But I I think that what he even said, like, he wasn't, like, scared. I mean, the newspaper told him to stay home for a week, which I thought was, kind of weird i understand you know on the scale that he wrote about but for him to for him to he wasn't scared like he was fearless now obviously he was an older guy and he wasn't really if he was kind of a younger guy i feel like he would probably you know listen to his superiors but he kind of just was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna go right about the team i'm supposed to cover and that's that so i thought overall i think the book really helped the team as opposed to hurting the
0: team well I mean, in a way, because you're right, they did win the championship, but I have to disagree. I do think it hurt the team, because that was their worst record as far as winning championships out of the six because they went 57-25, and 25, which is obviously still a good record, but mm-hmm. it still caused some friction, and even, like, we talk about the gambling, they were down zero-two 2 to the New York Knicks in the 93 finals, because, you know, the gambling, all the attention, I do think the book kind of helped Michael's decision more to, like, saying, like, I'm tired after this season, I'm going to retire and do something else, so because they were just adding more, like, I felt like unneeded controversy and just, like, trying to stir the pot in a way. So, I mean, it did bring some stuff, especially with Horace, like you said, leaving the next season in. That was their worst record out of the six championships, so I do think it hurt. I I, I,
3: I get that it hurt them. Um, I mean, the Knicks kind of adapted the Detroit Pistons style of defense. I mean, they were a physical True. bunch. So, for them to – yes, they overcame them. Um, I don't say they, they're the worst. Obviously, you know, seasons plus and minus, you know, 10 games in a year, it's still an impressive record. Yes, they win the championship. You know, it's there's up years and down years. Um, I, oh, yeah, I, think, I agree. I, I know, like you say, he was like stirring the pot, but I think Sam Smith is right. Like that, if you see that stuff to report, um, and especially if you have a, a someone in the organization to leak this information to you, you're not going to just hold on to it to your grave. I think if, you know, especially like in journalism, we're taught at school, you know, if you have that information, you have the green light to write about it, I mean, your job is to report on the team. And he was an investigative reporter uh, for the Tribune. So um, I I think, you know, they, yeah, it's a division. But I also think, like, I think Jordan knew he was like, all right, I need to, like, either, you know, they don't go into any ways of him changing his leadership styles or anything along the lines of that after but you know also why would they do that you know to show that Jordan was oh. wrong in his way you know what I mean
0: oh no you make a good point And Sam Smith you are right he he was doing his job he did a great job I'm just saying like I just think it still hurt the team because why would Horace leave he could have negotiated another contract because after winning a 3 you you want to stay like why would you want to go to you're on the best team in the world, so mm-hmm. I do think it was some friction. But you are right because it didn't hurt them that much because they still won a third championship. And like you said, 57 and 25 was a great record. And to your point with the Knicks, they were trying to adapt the the piston style, but in their case, they just weren't as good as us. And they were kind of like you know kind of like a JV team compared to like the piston style. I mean, that's no disrespect. It's just they the just fact, didn't have were... the offense. Like I just don't think yeah. they had the offense
3: compared to us.
0: Yeah, and they had a good team. It was just Jordan was in their way, and they mentally and physically just weren't good enough because even with the 2 lead, mm-hmm. they still lost four straight because after, you know, you know, the gambling thing with Jordan, they are like him going to Atlantic City with his dad. You know, Jordan had enough of it. He was like, all right, it's time to end this. But I do think that was one of the harder championships to get because they cut, um you know, they cut the nail a few times. You know, if it wasn't for Paxton's shot, as possibly game seven in Phoenix who had the best record that year. Mm-hmm. That could go another way. So, but you are right though. Overall, it didn't affect them as much. Anyone want to? Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's really the uh,
3: the the gambling trip is probably like the last thing I'd like to touch on like this whole episode of him yeah. you know going to Atlantic City like you mentioned you know they're down 0-2 to the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals in 1993 he basically you know he goes up there comes back down the the problem what really got him is like i feel like his relationship with Slim Bowler was really what got him uh you know Slim was a golf hustler but also, like, sure. kind of, you know, he's in Shady and Money laundering and stuff like that. So for Michael to be associated with, you know, people of that character, um, and then he's out until – it says midnight, but, you know, people say 2 a.m. You know, the, yeah, the, 2 a.m. Yeah, 2 a.m. I think that just looks worse because there was so much, and Michael Wilmont says, or David Aldridge, or whoever that is, that leading up to that, it looks terrible – because of his past with, like, gambling, and then he's out there the night before um, before they lose that game, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, this just looks terrible. You know, obviously, we know the end of the story. You know, he turns it around and beats the brakes off the Knicks four straight. But um, I, I, just my opinion on that is I, I think I understand what he was trying to do, just trying to get some pressure off. I think just maybe do it secretly, you know, Obviously, social media wasn't around at the time, but like, you know, maybe just laying low, maybe not going to Atlantic City, but going to some other casino, (laughs) you know, in the area. Uh, Yeah, that'd be my my last advice on the show here.
0: Oh, no, you make a great point on that, Barrett. And honestly, I think in some like weird way, it was like a way to like motivate him to do better because they're down Mm -hmm. and he has a reason to like, he's thinking like, man, we're two games away from being done. And I mean, it obviously helped, like you said, you know, they won four straight and, he shouldn't have, you know, did it differently. But Jordan's also lucky everything that went on back then, if there was social media, it could have been a lot worse than Jordan. The pressure could have got to him even more because there's a simple tweet or a post on Instagram could have, you know, went like something else. So, uh, mm-hmm. in a way, I think Jordan was lucky that there was no social media to his benefit. Right. that's my last point for that. Yeah, I mean, you
2: guys said social media. I mean, to, to, to go to Atlantic City, I mean, the big casino city and the big gambling kind of atmosphere and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like was just trying to take the edge off a little bit with all the pressure that he was having. But, I mean, you said Bear. I mean, you find, like, a small-scale casino or right. something like that to kind of yeah. take the edge off. I mean, it, it gets to, I mean, he probably wasn't trying to make a big old fuss about it, but, I mean, it gets to the point where, like, really, why would you go to Atlantic City when you already have all this scrutiny about what's going on uh, behind the scenes in your life when you can just really of lay low and try to figure something else out that won't kind of stir the pot so much. And, I mean, I'll, he can do it every once. but, I mean, I, the one thing that I was kind of confused about that, which is why he kind of went to Atlantic City and just kind of went to somewhere else so that it wouldn't have caused so much controversy with that.
1: Like, Jordan, this was kind of his hobby. Like, he, this was something that he really did to, like, get his mind off of being Michael Jordan for a little bit and obviously like we have our own thoughts about it I, I personally like i don't know really why he decided to go to like the most popular casino at the time during this whole thing and why he didn't go to a smaller casino that's a great point joe and like the fact is is like really what was michael thinking in that situation we really don't know because obviously like mj's the only one that really kind of knew what he really wanted to do and that was kind of like his getaway at that time and I mean, after losing two games to New York, I mean, obviously New York, like you guys said, it perfect on the nose. They were they were trying to be like Detroit. They were trying to get chippy. That's how they thought they could finally take down Michael. And it was they didn't have the firepower that the Black Boys did. I'll say it up front. Like John Starks was good, and Patrick Ewing was a really good player as well. Yeah. But they didn't have the sur- they did yeah. not have the surrounding pieces for sure, like the Bad Boys did with Joe Dumars, and then you got Mailand Beer as well. Those guys were just like the surrounding pieces to that Pistons team were much better than the Knicks had at the time. But like going back with Michael Jordan, like he ends up going back and the the one thing we have to realize is like, yeah, he did end up going, doing this at like after that game. And he ended up doing this, but in the end, the dude just took over and won the whole thing. Like we can still just remember that he like goes on that game, goes on an absolute tear and then he ends up winning the finals. And just, it's just kind of, it's an unorthodox thing that you see. We don't see a lot of guys that were like in that high of moment doing like these sort of things. Like obviously this was the conference finals and it's like, dude, this is the playoffs. Why are you going, why are you going to go gambling after a game or or before a game or whatever? It's like, that's just not something we see normally, but it's just what, that's kind of what Michael did. Like a lot of guys, like they'll go do something else. Maybe like watch a movie would have been a different one in his hotel room or something like he did in college, but It's just one of those things he decided to do. And, I mean, as much as media kind of just absolutely blew it up and it was kind of crazy, like like Jordan brought this kind of side of social – or not not social media, but just like general sports media going on the uprise as sports are getting more popular, especially with this basketball era, that everything was kind of blown up and it was just kind of like something that was like, yeah, I just – I went to the casino a little bit last night and then obviously he's going to say – a time, and the guy, the dude next to him's like, yeah, he was there for a little while longer, and then the reporter says a little while longer, and then 10 a.m. turns into midnight, turns into 2 a.m., turns into 4 a.m., and then everyone's talking to him about being up at 4 a.m. say, like, whoa, 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 dude, I was in bed by 11.30. What are you guys <laughs> talking about? Like, yeah. what is going on? It's just that relay just kind of really amplified the thing. But in the end, I mean, MJ won the ship, and that's really all that the, the, the guys asked from him. And, I mean, if he would have taken – he wouldn't have taken that trip to the casino. He might not have. He might have been more stressful, and that might not have happened. So, in the end, as unorthodox as it was, it ended up helping, and they ended up winning. So, what can yeah. you really argue with that? I feel like
3: if they, if he wins Game Two of the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel like no one talks about this. I think. Yeah. I yeah, think, I think the reason people are like always tired because he was out partying in at Atlantic City. Rightly so. I mean, if people know about it, then yeah, I would, I would report it. So. Well, that being said, episode 5 and 6 of The Last Dance, Mics and Takes, MVSP. Catch us on Thursday at, are we doing 8 or 7? Seven? 7 or 8? I seven. 7. Thursday yeah, seven. at 7. Thank you for tuning in. You can listen to this audio file if you didn't catch us the whole time. We'll have the podcast uploaded on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time.